Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast presented by Blue York on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. We have a great show for you today with the on-air analyst from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton, as well as my good friend Alexis Downey from Stadium, joining me for the intro to talk about everything going on in the NHL. We've got that, and we've got a lot more, so let's get into it. So I hope Ranger fans can feel my pain. I was actually invited to the Ranger game Sunday night against Buffalo, and I was supposed to go. I was committed to going, but I had a long night at UBS Arena on Saturday night. I got a little too drunk and uh, you know felt a little too hungover on Sunday, so I kind of turned it down. You know, obviously, little did I know I'd be missing one of the best Ranger games probably in the last like five years. I didn't expect much between the Rangers and Sabers, and then we all know what happened. Ryan Lindgren with 0.4 seconds left at the buzzer to win the game and I was just I was punching myself the fact that I skipped that game and I had to watch it from my bed so um, you know that's kind of how my weekend went but wow what a win that was and you know this team looks great a ton of resilience you know obviously Georgiev hasn't looked his best and we might be seeing a call from Keith Kincaid sometime soon but I don't know man this team's been a lot of fun to watch and if this Ranger Islander game is not postponed, I'm recording this right now on Tuesday at 4.15, and the game has not been postponed as of yet, so right now it's on. Um, I don't want to talk about the game too much just in case it is postponed, but UBS Arena is incredible. I got lucky enough to go on Saturday night at the opener against Calgary, and let me tell you, Ranger fans, you are going to love it. Um, going to games, Ranger Islander games in the future is just going to be a ton of fun. going to be a big party. There's so many fun bars, so many fun things to do in the arena um, so I'm really looking forward to the future of Ranger Islander games on Long Island. I got a message from a listener and a fan, Rami Levy, that I'm going to read out. He gave me a couple of opinions. Um, he wanted me to pick, but I'm going to read out all three because I actually agree with the points that he makes. So I want to give a shout out to Rami before I read this message. But here we go. So the team is so much more aware than they've been in the past seasons. Most recent example was the game-winning goal last night when Lindgren understood the time remaining and came all the way down to make the play, knowing he's not leaving them vulnerable on the back end. But we've seen other plays similar to that in recent weeks. I think Fox had a shorthanded goal also. That was a similar situation. And he's referring to the Fox backhand goal a couple weeks ago when Adam, there was like 14 or 15 seconds left in the period, and he could have easily iced the puck. But he was patient and poised and made a good breakout pass and then followed the play and ended up scoring that beautiful goal on his backhand. So that was a great play and a great point by Rami. And then Rami's second point that he made, unpopular unpopular option. I like Gallant taking advantage of teaching moment for Mika despite the game being over. Mika should have been smarter than that, staying back to argue with the ref. They got lucky it didn't hurt them, but Gallant didn't let it go because they won. He still took the opportunity to help Mika do better next time, which I completely agree with. I don't think there was any harm in what Gallant did to Mika, you know, obviously there's a time and a place for everything, but I'm sure in the heat of the moment, Gallant just wanted to get his point across because, you know, if Mika waited an extra second, that goal doesn't happen. So, um, you know, kind of a lesson you learn as a young kid, like 
don't let the refs control the game. You know, if they don't get a, if you don't get a call, just continue playing and, you know, talking in young to a ref never does any good. So definitely a lesson that Gallant kind of had to do in front of the team, sending a message. Um, so I respect Gallant for doing that. And, um, you know, I think most people would agree with that. And Rami actually had a third point. And uh, here's the last thing he said. I don't think we've seen the team's best hockey yet. And in the past, they've dug themselves in deep holes they've had to climb out of. This year, they've gotten points despite playing poorly at times. And when they start playing their best hockey, we've seen more of it recently. They will be in a better position. Lastly, Kreider's always been my favorite Ranger, but he's streaky. Question is, can he keep this incredible streak going? And what's been the difference this year that's made him so good? Um, and to that fact about Kreider... I do agree that Kreider's been streaky, but we've never really seen him have an off year. I mean, he's pretty much been a consistent 20-goal scorer since he's joined the Rangers besides, you know, his first two years in 2012-13 and then 2013-14 where, you know, his first year in 2012-13, he had two goals. His second year, he had 17. And then the one year where he didn't score at least 20 was 2017-18 when he had 16 goals. I mean, even last year in the shortened season, the COVID year, he had 20 goals in 50 games. So, you know, he, he does score... Uh, in streaks when he gets hot he's really hot and I think this year you know what's really changed about his game is just his net front presence um, you know he never really had to be that guy and I think we kind of saw it last year um, I think last year might have been the first year that he was really playing that net front position on the power play which is a huge reason why he has so many power play goals this year I think he has eight and you know probably seven of those have come you know right in front of the net aside from that one timer against Buffalo so I think that's been a huge difference it's not like he's been you know much of a playmaker. He only has three assists on the year, but he's just finding those dirty areas and, and creating open space for himself. And, you know, his hand-eye coordination has definitely improved over the last couple of years. He was not a guy that was scoring deflection goals four or five years ago. He was just known for his wicked shots. So um, I think that's been the biggest difference, just having a good stick and having good hand-eye. You know, I feel like in years past, he was kind of the guy that you look for on the half wall to take a shot in the power play, not necessarily be that guy tipping pucks and using his strong body in front. So I think that's been the biggest difference, at least from what I've noticed. I can't remember. I feel like last year was the first year where he really started playing the net front. So so I think maybe this offseason he just spent time getting used to that position. Um, it's not an easy thing to play the net front on the power play, and it's not an easy thing to deflect pucks the way he's been doing it. So um, I think it's an awesome thing for his game. You know, what he was known for was just using his speed, coming down the left side and letting one go. So um, definitely a huge, huge, huge asset to this Rangers team. And I think he can keep scoring goals too, especially with a guy like Fox in the blue line. Um, Adam is one of, if not the best defenseman at getting pucks through the net on the power play. So, you know, his shots, ne not necessarily the hardest shot, but I think coaches preach at every single level that you don't need to have the hardest shot to score goals. You just got to have an accurate one. So as long as Adam can keep getting shots in the blue line on net that Kreider can keep deflecting, you know, and Mika's backdoor passes, Panarin's backdoor passes. I don't see any reason why Kreider can't at least score 40 goals this year with the pace he's going at. One more time, I want to thank Rami for writing in those questions. I love when people write in questions, um, and I love answering with my own opinion. Once again, I'm not an expert, just a big Ranger fan. I play the game at a high level, and I just talk about what I see. So, um, yeah, no reason to doubt why Kreider can't score 40 goals this year. And I want to thank Rami once again, for sending in that question and those opinions. More than happy to read out anyone's opinion who messages me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, that's going to wrap it up for me in the intro. I want to send it over to my friend, Alexis Downey. As always, I'm happy to bring in my friend from Stadium, Alexis Downey, to break down everything going on in the NHL. I feel like we had a lot to cover today. So, Alexis, what do you want to start off with? Well, Happy almost Thanksgiving. I'm really yes. excited for Thanksgiving dinner this week. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving? Let's start with that. I actually love the sweet potato with like the melted marshmallows on top. I don't know if your family does okay. that. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Yeah, we actually don't do that. We just do regular mashed potatoes, but mm. I'm excited for the green bean casserole. And I was just talking to my mom and she said she was thinking about changing the recipe. And I told her, do not change the recipe. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. So, but there's, like you mentioned, a lot going on in the NHL. Top of the, the list though, something really controversial on Twitter, the New Jersey Devils, New Jerseys, which is <laughs> very literal. So uh-huh. I'm sure you've seen them. I've seen them. Um, I am not really a fan of them. They're pretty boring, honestly. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. I don't really like the all black Jersey. I know the Blackhawks did it and the Islanders did it a long time ago too. Um, I don't know if there's any, is there any routine that has like all black? I, don't, I feel like there's the Bruins have a black Jersey, but it's not like, I think it's classic yeah. with that, with that gold B though, their alternate right. one. I yep, think that yep. one's pretty sick, but as far as other uniforms, I can't really think of an all black Jersey. I can't either. Yeah. But, the, top of my head. the devils do have one of the best like social media teams in the entire league though. Like I saw, they tweeted today, mm-hmm. you know, a picture with the same kind of writing and it says <laughs> hats. And then obviously people are showing them with like a picture of pants and it says pants, but um, you know, I obviously threw my own trill out there. I said, like, if the devils make a jogger and put pants on it, I would buy the matching set, like the hat, the <laughs> pants and the Jersey. Um, so yeah, definitely not the coolest Jersey out there, but I think they're kind of having a little fun with it, knowing the reaction they got and who knows, it could end up, you know, turning into something that the league actually enjoys once they wear them in a real game. You're really right about their social media being elite as someone that loves social media, they are so witty. They engage really well. I I would agree with that. They have one of the top teams mm-hmm. in the NHL. Another thing that has been really talked about this week, the opening of UBS Arena. I mean, you got to go. Mm-hmm. You, you should take the floor. What is it like? What's it look like in there? Honestly, it's hard for me to kind of describe it because I'm not an Islander fan, but you know, I can kind of get a sense of what Islander fans feel like, um, you know, being in the building itself, it didn't feel real the entire time. Like I didn't feel like I was at an Islanders game. I kind of just felt like I was at a social gathering, you know, as everybody's talked about, there are like 17 bars around the arena. And, you know, luckily enough for me, my good friend, Justin Bergman works for the company that built it. So um, he kind of got to show me around. I got there at like five o'clock just to be there early and walk around and see everything. I still didn't even get to see everything too, which was um, you know, that's how big it is. So, but what was really cool, they had this like Heineken bar outside and it was really like one big party. Like there was a DJ oh. and, you know, it was, it, it was really cool. So, um, you know, definitely an interesting celebration. The building itself is massive. It, like literally it's, it's probably three times the size of Nassau Coliseum, or at least felt that way. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever been to Nassau Coliseum. Um, I have not. Nope. Yeah, no, Nassau Coliseum, you definitely felt like you were in a small building. So, you know, definitely surreal and really happy for Islanders fans and really happy for just like hockey on Long Island as a whole because, you know, the Islander fans definitely deserve a nice home and they finally have it. So I recommend you taking the trip out here if you can at some point to seeing it because it really yeah, is. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to. Um, how was the the bathroom lines? Because I know you mentioned that. Uh, how how were the lines? Were they Were they fixed? Was that problem fixed? So I was spoiled. Uh, like I said, my friend got me tickets in the suites. So I was up top, you know, so I didn't have to wait in any bathroom lines, which was nice. So I can't really <laughs> speak. To, I can't speak to that yet, but I am going uh, as we're recording tomorrow night to the Ranger Islander game if it doesn't get postponed. So I will report back on the bathroom lines tomorrow night. Okay. And you just mentioned it, the postponement. I mean, the yeah. Islanders have now seven players as of today in the COVID protocol captains in it. It's been a problem. And we saw that with the senators, they had 10 players before they postponed games. So are they going to postpone games? You know, it, 
you, it gets to a point where you have to do something when you have such a small roster of guys and you're pulling up all these younger players as well. Mm -hmm. It also puts the opposing team in jeopardy too, right? Like, you know, that's something that I feel like isn't really being talked about. You know, they're, they're playing the Rangers tomorrow night and, you know, God knows what other players in the lineup right now might have COVID that haven't tested positive yet, or I'm not really sure, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but also these guys too, that are out, which is like, you know, really shitty for Islander fans and just the Islanders organization in general. That's like, you know, waited such a long time for this building and they don't have Josh Bailey, who's you know probably the longest tenured Islander right now. And then they don't have their captain, Anders Lee. And then, you know, I think Pellet got hurt recently. Um, mm -hmm. Or is he on the, he's on the COVID list actually. He's on the COVID list. Um, so yeah, Pellet's obviously they're like, you know, number one defenseman right now, it seems. So, um, you know, losing him is tough also. And then, you know, you guys, you got guys like Ryan Pulak and Brock Nelson who are on the injured list too. So, um, you know, I feel like half their lineup right now is just AHL guys. So, mm -hmm. and plus you add on to that, they've already lost like six in a row and they're opening this new building. So just shitty timing for the Islanders. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And Zadino Chara was actually the latest guy to be added yeah. to the COVID list today too. So big body on the ice that they're certainly going to miss. Mm. Uh, one of the really exciting things that I highlighted in my show, Icebreakers this week, Hockey Fights Cancer, such a great cause, the league coming together and a lot of teams doing great things over the weekend and still continue to do them during their games this week. Um, I, I've really enjoyed highlighting what some of the teams have done, what some of the players are doing. And one thing that I wasn't able to get to in icebreakers, but the Florida Panthers hosted for their puck drop on Saturday. I, I believe it was Saturday. They hosted a donor and a patient, their very first meeting ever as the puck drop. And I thought that was just such a, a beautiful and exciting way to have two people meet and have such a life-changing event in addition to being at a sporting event. And it, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I didn't see that. You're gonna have to send me that video after, um, that yeah, is definitely. like really, you know, heartwarming and, and touching. I, I didn't get to see that, but yeah, that sounds incredible. Yeah. It's, and they also held the, the league wide moment of silence prior to the games as well. Mm -hmm. So all the fans with their, their phones and the lights and all the purple around all the arenas. So really hats off to the NHL putting this effort into bringing awareness to those are, who are fighting or those who have fought cancer um, because it's certainly touched a lot of people's lives. Kind of changing the topic a little bit there, but this has been something that's been in the news a lot lately. Connor McDavid and the comments that John Tortorella said about him changing his game. Do you think he needs to change his game? I mean, I, I've heard this, you know, we both heard it a thousand times. I feel like it's hard to kind of like form my own opinion on it because I've heard so many different ones. But um, if I had to gather my own thoughts on it, which I haven't really kind of taken the time to think about yet, it just makes no sense. Like people say Ovechkin like changed his game when the Capitals won the cup. But like, did he really change his game that drastically that it made that big of a difference? You know, like. The team just bought in like that's just really how it is like you believe in a coach you believe in the system and you buy in and and to win any stanley cup you need timely goaltending also like Braden holtby you know was magnificent in that playoff run and the oilers they're one of their biggest crutches the last couple of years has been goaltending they haven't gotten the goaltending they needed to get far in the playoffs and um you know right now they're kind of going through three different goalies also so um you know stewart skinner mike smith and I'm blanking on his name, Koskinen's first name. 
apologies for that. But, you know, they have three goaltenders right now. They haven't really secured a number one, although Koskinen seems to be the favorite. But the Stuart Skinner guy, you know, has stepped in and won the last two games in a row. So who knows? He could even win the number one job over. But for Connor McDavid to change his game, you know, he's arguably the best athlete on the planet right now, most dominant athlete on the planet right now. Um, to me, it makes no sense. And I know you want to talk about Leon Dreisaitl. So, you know, I'm going to let you kind of dive into that. Yeah, I mean, the Oilers have been winning games. You know, they're they're second in the Pacific right now. They're they're sitting at the top like they should be and like they usually are. Uh, but I thought it was kind of interesting when you look at the statistics. McDavid is actually second on the team in points right now behind Dreisaitl. And I just kind of feel like he doesn't get maybe all the credit that he deserves. Every time you hear about the Oilers, you hear Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Mm-hmm. You don't hear, oh, Leon Dreisaitl. Connor McDavid and then the Oilers. It's always, it's always flipped around. So I think that this might be a time, like maybe this is dry season for him to really, I mean, he's a standout player. You can't mm-hmm. say, you know, he's not, but I just feel like he's, he's not as it's, it's almost like he's a little overshadowed sometimes just because of who McDavid is. And I, I agree with you on McDavid changing his game and all of that. I, I don't, think that when you have an elite player, if they're doing things that are working as a whole for their game, I don't think that you should necessarily change that, mm-hmm. but finding that goal tender and like the things around him are really important. And it seems to be working pretty well this season. Um, otherwise. So I guess it's going to be interesting to see how they continue on in this season. And I know that they have such a strong power play and their penalty kill is really good this season too. So the Oilers in general, I feel like they can get rolling in the playoffs, hopefully this season, because I want to see those, those two guys compete in the postseason and really take it to that next level. Yeah. Same here. And it's not like, it's not like McDavid isn't performing in playoffs. Like every time he's been in the playoffs, he's played well, you know? And Mm -hmm. if I'm a coach, if I'm the coach of the Oilers, I don't want him diving in front of a shot to block it. I don't want him getting hurt. Like he's, he's the one guy like, dude, (laughs) get out of the way of the shot. Like, I don't want you to touch it. But, um, you know, as far as dry goes too, and no one's really talking about it. He's got 18 goals in 17 games right now, as we're recording, like that's pretty insane. I don't don't know if we've had a player have like 20 and 20 in the last, you know, decade or so, but um, you know, the last player I think who had 50 and 50 was Brett Hull in like 91, 92. And that's obviously a feat that we probably never thought would happen ever again. Like, you know, in this new era NHL, when the goalies are so good that it's pretty damn impressive to have 18 goals in 17 games. Like if you're scoring a goal a game, that's, you know, pretty fucking insane. So yeah. uh, just for lack of a better term. But yeah, no, I feel like that hasn't even been like a headline or anything that he's literally scoring over a goal a game right now. So you know, they play tonight against Dallas. I actually wrote about that game in my Action Network article today. Edmonton was the underdog, so hopefully they can pull out the win tonight on the road in Dallas. And yeah, I think Dreisaitl right now, I mean, there shouldn't be an argument for him not to be the Hart Trophy leader right now. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that too. And mm-hmm. I think he's on track to continue to have this kind of season. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I mean, we kind of pedaling back a little bit. You got to go to the UBS arena opening. Uh, there was actually someone that was also there. The Islanders team dog was there mm-hmm. for the opening. And I know I talked about the, the team pups, um, you know, recently in an episode, but I did forget to mention that the Sabres now have a team dog and his mm-hmm. name is Rick. And he's also a, uh, a, a medical 
helping dog. He, he's working to be trained in that way. So uh, next time, if, if you do get to go to UBS arena tomorrow for the mm. game, look for the Islanders dog. <laughs> I will be sure to send you pictures. If I, if I find it, um, that, that would be the highlight of my night. Probably yeah. we're puppy <laughs> lovers on this podcast. That's for sure. Definitely. So kind of rounding out the week that it's been best bets, Johnny, what do you have? Well, I know we got a big 13 game slate on Friday. Um, I know you want to talk about scheduling because you know, that's one of your pet peeves with yes. the NHL. So I'm, I'm going to let you kind of kick this one off. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that Friday was 13 games until you mentioned that. And mm. I'm just so tired of the NHL putting all of these games on one night. You know how hard it is to switch in between games, especially with ESPN plus you have to like, I have to airplay it from my phone to my TV and then like mm. switch. And sometimes my Wi-Fi doesn't work. It is such a pain. Like I don't, I have one TV. I can't watch all of these games at once. And there's games that I do want to watch other than like, you know, whatever the main one is that I'm watching. So I just wish the NHL would think about it a little bit more when they are like doing the scheduling, because I don't, I feel like it's not necessarily like good for the league, you know, like they have, Thursday off, obviously with Thanksgiving, but then they're mm. just like jumping into it with all of these games. So I feel like a lot of people feel that way as well. So, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely spread it out a little bit Friday. There's like, you know, the Rangers Bruins on at one o'clock, then there's three, three 30 games, a four o'clock, a five o'clock, a six o'clock, and then three, seven o'clock, two, seven thirties and a 10 30. So it's definitely spread out throughout the entire day. That's going to be a great day of NHL hockey though. Um, and I guess, you know, I don't want to be biased, with my <laughs> matchups going into the weekend, my three best bets, but um, you know, Rangers Bruins is definitely a game to look out for, for me personally, obviously, you know, as a Ranger fan. Um, and I actually just got a text from a friend that the Islander games might be getting postponed. So oh, there is info. an update. Yeah, there is an update. You heard it here first. Heard it here. Well, <laughs> you heard it here tomorrow, probably after the news came out. That's so you true. probably heard it here last, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, yeah, one game for me to watch, on Friday, which usually, you know, aren't two teams that I look out for are the Winnipeg Jets and Minnesota Wilds. Um, I did look at that game. Yeah. I did. I heard that uh, there was a blues player that I was listening to on a podcast and he said that the Jets were the hardest team that they've played this season. Really? Yeah. He, he said that they were just a very physical, well-rounded, it was a well-rounded game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, the Jets are definitely one of the most underrated and, and not talked about a lot. Good teams in the league. Um, I think they're, you know, they were in the conference final like two or three years ago, I think when they lost to Nashville, I guess that was, oh, that was like, no, that was like four years ago, five years ago. Um, wow. Time, time flies, but uh, yeah, no, they've been, you know, they've been a contender and they've been a solid team for the last five, seven years. So um, Winnipeg is definitely like one of those sleeper underdog teams to look out for come playoff time. And, you know, last year we obviously know how their season ended after Shifley got suspended. Um, and they got swept, I think, by Montreal. Um, but yeah, that's a, a game to watch for me on Friday. Do you have one Friday that stands out? I actually was looking at two games on Friday, the Capitals mm. and Panthers. Um, I think that'll be a good game. They're both they're both doing really well this season. Obviously, I always talk about the Panthers, but Caps too, they're, they're doing well. Um, and then I was looking at the Devils and Predators game because I've been excited about the Devils this season. They've, they've been fun to watch. And uh, the Predators were also a team that I wasn't super high on into this season. And I think mm -hmm. that they're living up to more than I thought they would. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't too high on the Predators. And I don't mm -hmm. know. I, 
I don't know how I feel about them. I'm still um, not super yeah. high on them, but yeah. Well, Matthew Shane's been great. He's got like 12 goals, I think, in the first like 17 games. So yeah, good to see him find his stride. Well, I have a game on Saturday, the Red Wings and Sabres, two teams that uh, we all thought were going to be not even in the conversation this year. Mm-hmm. And they've surprised a lot of people, surprised me. And they've won some games now. Recently, they have, both of them have been losing a bit. But the game is in Detroit on Saturday. And I feel like that the Red Wings will pull off the win. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of a what we thought would be a low matchup initially is maybe not so bad then looking at Saturday. Yeah, and honestly, watching the Sabres, um, you know, I obviously watched them there night against the Rangers when they, you know, let up a, a goal with 0.4 seconds left. But yeah, they played pretty well, and they played pretty well again last night against Columbus at home. You know, obviously, they let up seven goals, which isn't ideal. But, um, you know, this team, they're getting scoring. And actually, I want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine, Tage Thompson, who is a former college player, played at UConn, um, you know, was a first-round draft pick. He's really stepped up for the Buffalo Sabres. I think he's on their first line. Um, you know, he's been scoring goals. He looks good. He looks confident. He's a big body. Um, you know, they definitely have some guys that I guess you'd say like some similar to the the Golden Misfits, the Golden Knights nickname a couple of years ago. Just, yeah. you know, a bunch of guys who were kind of looked down on that are rallying together and, and putting together some wins. So um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs by any means, but I might go against you. I might think Buffalo wins in Detroit. Okay. We can make a friendly we'll wager on it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, and then Sunday – we got another, you know, couple matinees. We got the Capitals and Hurricanes at one, the Lightning and Wild at two. Um, you know, I don't know if this Ranger Islander game is going to happen in the Garden at six o'clock, but I guess I'm going to watch the the Capitals Hurricanes on Sunday. I mean, that's obviously, you know, two pretty pretty good teams in the Eastern Conference. Ovechkin mm-hmm. obviously continues to to score more goals in more ways. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't even think he has like a one timer goal this year from his you know OV office. I think he's like. You know, he, I don't know for what reason why he hasn't scored from that spot, but he's finding new ways to score. So, you know, anytime Obeshkin's on TV, I'm watching. You know, and I saw that now he's scored against, I believe it's every active mm-hmm. team. That's insane. Yeah. That, like, that's that's such a cool thing to be able to say you did, I feel like. He's definitely got to be the only one right now because, you know, Seattle mm-hmm. obviously just joined. So um, yeah. I wonder if there's any, like, retired – players that scored against every single team in the NHL. I mean, there's gotta be, sure a, I feel like is. there's gotta be a lot. Yeah. There's gotta be yeah, a lot. I'm sure there is. It yeah. seems like, a, like a, you know, not very high odds, but now that I'm thinking about it more, yeah, I'm not going to look into it. I don't really care. <laughs> I'll look into it. <laughs> okay, sweet. You could, you could send me that info. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got for this weekend and, and the upcoming games. Is there any other thoughts you have going into the weekend? No, I, I think it's been a good week of hockey and I'm excited to uh, get into Thanksgiving this week. And I've got a busy weekend actually working Big East volleyball games, so I won't mm-hmm. get to watch all those games on Friday, unfortunately, but I'll catch up on all the action, I'm sure, afterwards. I'll watch enough for the both of us. I plan on parking my ass on that couch all day Friday. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I will be, I will be, you know... Under 500 steps on Friday, probably. For, uh, you know, that <laughs> Don't close the meal. rings. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But um, as always, Alexis, I want to thank you for coming and, and joining and talking about everything going on in the NHL. Always a pleasure. Um, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Johnny. This week, I'm very happy to welcome the first ever U.S.-born number one overall draft pick, longtime NHLer, and you might recognize him from the NHL Network, the current on-air analyst, 
For the NHL Network, welcome to the show, Brian Lawton. What's up, Brian? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know you're in New York City right now. We were just talking about it. Uh, you know, you had to get a COVID test this morning. But from everything I read, I thought you were in a diet in Minnesota, but I know you go back and forth from Minnesota to New York. I do. My family lives there, but I also have an apartment here in the city. And I spend, you know, I work out here 100 plus days a year. So I spend quite a bit of time in New York. I love it. It's a fabulous city. Uh, obviously, I played for the Rangers a long time ago. Uh, but I didn't know the city when I played for the Rangers. Not like now. New York is just an incredible place. Are you ever recognized on the streets? Uh, once in a while. It takes a real diehard hockey fan. You yeah. know. And, and in New York, that's the one beauty in New York. There's so much anonymity here for the real stars of like the team. Uh, you know, and I mean, I see Jerry Seinfeld down the street. I see all these guys here. That's what I love about New York. It's very approachable. Um, it's just a great spot. You know, I always, people always ask me, what's the difference between New York and Toronto? And the anonymity is what the difference is, really. They're both great cities. Uh, New York is a mega city. But in Toronto, you can't go anywhere. I'd get more recognized in Toronto than I would here. It's honestly, it's such a funny point, too, because I was at, this summer, I was at dinner with, like, two of my friends who aren't really, like, big hockey fans. But they were saying, like, you know, if we saw a friend, like, if we saw Adam Fox on the street, we wouldn't even recognize him as an NHL player. Like, you know, these guys just, like, look totally normal. And then, sure enough, 20 minutes later, we ran into Sonny Milano, like, right outside his apartment. And they had no idea who he was. I, I introduced them to him. And he, like, turned around with his Anaheim backpack. And I was like, yeah, he's in the NHL. They had no idea. <laughs> That's right. Sonny is a New York guy. And, boy, is he playing well for Anaheim. Good for him. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about Anaheim, too, because the Rangers and Anaheim, I feel like, have been the biggest – you know, two surprising teams to start the season, but um, I was pretty low on Anaheim going into the year. I, I write for the Action Network, like a lot of hockey betting and stuff, and Anaheim was a team that I kind of wrote off right away. But, I mean, how fun has it been for you to watch Anaheim, especially a U.S.-born kid like Trevor Zegers putting on an absolute show every night, and Troy Terry? Uh, both of them, incredible. Uh, last night watching them, uh, I, I got done with the game, and I knew my son was watching that Anaheim game. He loves the Ducks, and uh, he texts me after the game. You're right, Dad. This Trevor Zegers is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Of course, he scored the overtime winner. Ryan Getzlaff got his thousandth point. It was a huge night for Anaheim, obviously for the accolades, obviously for how Zegers is playing. Troy Terry is playing. Troy Terry's fourth overall in NHL scoring. I just would not have guessed that. No. You would have never had that in your betting. <laughs> Definitely that, That's for sure. Ryan Getzlaff is ninth overall. But Trevor Zegers is really coming on. And uh, boy, Anaheim's been a great story. That decor for me, and I was joking because Jeff Gordon was in the studio last night and I heard him on air say, yeah, that Chad Kirk's really doing well. He got bought out once upon a time by some guy. <laughs> and, uh, Jeff was joking. That happens. And there's mm -hmm. lots of reasons why guys get bought out. It's not always what fans think. But in any event, uh, that decor uh, along with some veterans and some youngsters has, has really been incredible. That, that's been a strength for me that I just did not see coming for Anaheim. I knew Gibson would be good. He's always been good, but he generally would get overwhelmed, you know, after 10, 15, 20 games of standing on his head. Uh, not the case this year. I, I think Anaheim's got some staying power. They've been a lot of fun to watch, honestly, a team that I probably wouldn't have watched one single game last year, but this year there's definitely a lot of excitement. And then you got like Drysdale, a young kid on defense too, who's been really good. Definitely been a lot of fun to watch. And something that I, I'm really curious about too, now that we're talking about like, you know, kind of watching teams around the league, but when you were playing through the 80s and 90s, how did you keep up with like NHL trending topics, the news, like, 
you know, were there any highlight, you know, places to watch highlights or? No, no, I literally would keep up by the hockey news. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I can remember before I was a pro and I loved Wayne Gretzky and I loved to follow his career. But of course, Wayne played in Edmonton. I grew up in Rhode Island, East Coast time zone. And I would have to get the box scores, not the next night, but two days later really? to follow Wayne Gretzky. And I can just remember as a kid reading and going, this guy gets three, four points every night. Like, what is going on? This guy's mm-hmm. incredible. I can't believe it. But the way we consumed information back then was so different. I would get the hockey news as soon as it came out. I would read it cover to cover. I would know everything about every player because I was just interested in it. And before the games, guys, by my second year playing for the North Stars, would literally say, okay, lots, what do we got on this guy? <laughs> and, and I would read off his stat line and say, you know, say, oh, you know, he, it, it finally turned into a joke. And I would just start saying, skates like the wind, can throw them with both hands and score goals like nobody you've ever seen. That's so funny. Just laugh. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, nowadays, obviously, it's it's incredible mm-hmm. the amount of information and data. People always say, "Well, Brian, you were a first overall pick back in '83. That must have been incredible uh, media attention-wise and things like that." And it really wasn't. Yeah. I swear. I swear. We know more about the '88 pick in the draft now because <laughs> of media, because uh-huh. of how great a job people do, because how we consume media. Um, that it wasn't that way back then. It really wasn't. Well, piggybacking off of that a little bit, I guess, do you have more sense of pride now than you might have had at the time you were drafted number one just because of, you know, how many guys from the U.S. have gone number one overall now, like Patrick Kane, Matthews, and uh, who's, and Jack Hughes? Yeah, I mean, there's so many guys. Uh, Brian Burrard, Mike Donato, um, Rick DiPietro. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go on, Eric Johnson. Um, it's really been incredible. It's been great to see. It was a real thing back then. It's not now. The players are getting selected, you know, from all over the world, first overall, <clears throat> occasionally. And uh, back then, though, it, it was different. The league was literally 80 plus percent Canadian. Yeah. And I can remember some guys, uh, even on my team, were not that thrilled that a kid <laughs> from America got selected first overall. Out of high <laughs> school. Was re- out of high school, which I thought was really strange because, you know, you're just you're playing on a team. You're just one of. 23 guys essentially on the roster. I could care less where people are from. I could care less, you know, uh, what their religious background is, what the color of their skin is. You're just hockey players. But that one always kind of, it just made me pause a few times when I saw some animosity that guys had towards me because I was the first American player. It didn't make much sense. And I know you uh, you saw a lot of animosity on the rink too, as well. Like there was a lot of bench clearing brawls back in those days. I mean, as a kid yeah. coming out of high school, what did you think when you saw your first bench clearing brawl? I was in three bench clearing brawls my first year, and um, in the first year, in my first year, oh my, three bench clearing. That's crazy. Uh, honestly, I thought it was crazy. I, I really did. Mm-hmm. You know, I understood it was kind of part of the game, but, you know, I saw some goofy stuff. I saw Tiger Williams sucker Tommy McCarthy. Um, I saw Paul Holmgren fight Kent Carlson to the death one (laughs) night where he literally broke his nose and everybody was paired off and there was no real refs around because you've got 15 fights going on. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, I remember going over to Paul Holmgren and saying, Homer, are you okay? I knew he had broke his nose. His nose was way over on his face. <laughs> and this kid, Kent Carlson, I think he was out of like St. Lawrence or something. He was a big kid. He did not know who Paul Holmgren was. And right. Homer said, I'm doing fine lots, but you better back up because I'm just resting and I'm going to start swinging in a second. Oh, God. And he came back and beat the heck out of Kent Carlson, like I have never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was crazy. So it was it was a different era then. Those things were accepted. You could fight as much as you wanted. If you wanted to fight, if you could fit 10 fights into a game, minutes wise, then you could do it. Uh, the game is much better now. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, like a lot of things in the world, we've a lot, we've evolved. Um, and, and I really think it's made the game better. I think people appreciate it. I think it appeals to a wider audience because of that. You'll always find somebody that says, they love the way it used to be. But I find a lot less of the people now that say that. I find a lot more that say, I can't believe the speed and skill and excitement of an NHL game today. It's so fast. These guys are so skilled. Uh, every night, there's 10 highlight real plays. You know, just last night, uh, Joel Erickson Eck makes an incredible play for a goal. There, there was just a slew of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is unbelievable. So, games in a great place. Super happy for the NHL for the changes they've made and super happy for the players that are playing because it really looks like a lot of fun. Also, what it's done to youth hockey, too. I, I skated with like a U14 team last week, and there's kids out there that are way more skilled than I am, and I like played Division One hockey. I was like, these kids are sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I swear that the 10th player on a team shoots a puck uh, just a tier below the greatest shooters ever. Mm-hmm. in today's world and part of that has to do with the gloves are much better and the sticks are much uh, I, I wouldn't say they're easy but there are so many things that players have figured out about technology and sticks in today's world where you can really zip a puck with a lot less effort than it used to take when you were playing with a wooden log essentially unless you're playing at Mariucci arena and you got to take a slap shot to make a cross ice pass that rink is huge <laughs> Well, the old Mariucci was huge. The new, the new Mariucci is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost too big, in my opinion. I've been to a lot of games there. It's, yeah, it's mammoth. It's European width. Um, I think that there was a time when everybody thought that would really speed the game up. And yet I think we found out that it was so big and so massive that it, it actually didn't have the intended effect that people thought. It's certainly good was good for the Gophers for a long time. They always had great skating teams and they could take advantage of it in that sense. But it didn't always translate to wins for them. And I see more rinks, particularly out in Minnesota, being shrunk up rather than expanded. Super interesting. And and I guess while we're on Minnesota, I did want to talk about, um, you know, your high school days, because it's not very common that someone goes to the NHL at high school. And, you know, since you live in Edina, probably one of the best high school programs, you know, in the country. I actually... I played in the Robertson Cup final there in my NAHL uh, junior. Sure. Um, and, and the locker room there was like nicer than probably 50% of the D- D1 locker rooms that I've seen. Yeah, Edina, uh, we, we've got uh, three ranks there in the community facility. It, it's different out there than it is out east. Mm-hmm. Uh, hockey, hockey rinks are, you know, combinations of community centers, um, but literally culturally the center of town. Everything revolves around that that you do. It's cold out there, so people want to get inside. 
you may think it sounds funny where you go inside to an ice rink, but it's a lot warmer in there than it is <laughs> outside in Minnesota, trust me. Uh, but it's just such a great, hockey is the greatest game on the planet for families, in my opinion, because parents are forced to have to drive their kids, watch games outside at times. And I think it really means a lot to young people. Yeah. I'm not talking about anything to do with being professional. I'm talking about family and uh, closeness and things that, you know, with the way some of the things are in today's world, particularly with technology, it's easy to lose that stuff. But hockey pulls that back in. And I coached in Edina um, for all three of my children, including uh -huh. my daughter, spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours with them traveling. I was fortunate to be retired then. I was fortunate to be an agent at that time in my life. So I could make my own schedule. And uh, I just loved it. There's Playing hockey was probably the funnest thing I ever did personally. But attending sporting events for my children was even better uh, family-wise than I ever imagined. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure too, like the car rides also, especially your kids. I'm sure you had a lot of knowledge to, to give them in those long car rides after games. And, um, you know, I, I know I always didn't look forward to the car ride when I had a bad game. So... You know, those car rides definitely, they honestly like shape who you are as a person and a player. Like my dad taught me the most important lessons of my life, probably after games in, in those car rides. Yeah, exactly. And it can be that way or it can go really sideways. I was blessed growing up that my parents were actually from New Jersey, mm -hmm. never played hockey in their life, <laughs> didn't know a thing about hockey. Mm -hmm. The only thing they ever told me was that I wasn't working hard enough. I need to be more uh, sportsman-like because when I would lose when I was younger, I would snap. That's how I was doing. <laughs> crazy things. Uh, and, and those are the things that they really tried to work on me. And I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, you hear so many horror stories of parents making their kids walk home and <laughs> do, do extra work because they didn't play. That's just batshit crazy, mm -hmm. if you ask me. You just can't go down that, that road. And yet I see it happen all the time. Coaching, I would talk to parents all the time. It's not about being a professional. It's about the life lessons mm -hmm. that you can teach your kids. So uh, when you add it all up, though, I loved uh, coaching and being involved with my kids through their youth careers. Yeah, you've done it all pretty much in the game. I mean, you were player, agent, GM, and you just said you coach. Is there anything that you still want to do in the game of hockey or kind of just like being on TV? Is that, you know, the future? Um, I'd love to go back and run a team, to be yeah. honest with you. That's really, that, that's why I continue to do this job as hard as I do it. Mm -hmm. um, completely connected on top of everything that's going on in the NHL. I need to be ready if I'm truthful and wanting to go back and do that. And I do. And this is a great way for me to, uh, you know, my typical work schedule is I'm out here for a week or two weeks. I work every day. I'm in the studio anywhere from six to eight hours a day you're breaking down tape you're watching every game at night you're talking about it you're discussing things philosophically there's a lot of similarities to you know the skill set you need to be a gm and doing what we do obviously i played in the league for 500 games 600 games as a pro uh, was an agent for 15 years started a company sold it Managed the company I, I sold for the people I sold it to. That's Octagon Hockey. Retired from that when when was GM down in Tampa. You know, it's been a it's been a really fun ride. I feel really blessed for the opportunities that I've gotten, 
And because of that, I think it really helps me to, uh, to do one thing my dad always taught me, which was just whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Mm. And that's the way I take this job. I'm not really very good on TV. I think you my are. Prepara- my preparation is very strong and my knowledge of the game is very strong. And that's what carries me. There's some people that I work with that are just rock stars. Mm. They could be movie. They could literally be movie stars. They're phenomenal on TV. That's not me. Um, but yet I love doing it and I give it my all every single day. I'll tell you what though, you probably still have the best head of hair at NHL Network. <laughs> I haven't lost my hair yet. Uh, <laughs> you never know. I think I'm okay uh, at my age now, but you never know. Um, it's a it's a it's a funny point of contention occasionally. Being a hockey player, it's easy to lose your hair. Mm-hmm. Working out, you know, twice a day for 20 years of your life with a hockey helmet on is not great for the scalp. No. Um, so many, many players have lost their hair prematurely, in my opinion, because of that. Um, somehow that hasn't happened to me. So I again I feel lucky. Uh, I was going to say though, it looked like uh, back in your playing days, just from the pictures I saw, it looked like you had the uh, the Justin Bieber haircut before it came cool. I had some flow at different times. <laughs> you know, you were a kid. You didn't. I, I think back to being a young pro, and honestly, I started when I was eighteen. So I played four years before I had any idea what was going on mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, you know, really those college years mm-hmm. when most kids go to college and try to figure out what they're going to do or what direction they're going to go. Um, it was a blessing and a curse. For me, uh, I would have liked to start as a professional probably two or three years later, yeah. just matured more, both physically and mentally. Uh, I think it would have made the entire uh, career for me more enjoyable. I know you mentioned prior to recording that you would have liked to spend a year at Providence College. I mean, is there anything about that school specifically or just you know close to home? Uh, Lou Lamarillo was the coach back then. He had oh, wow. recruited me. From the time I was 15, Lou knew that I was going to either play for the Olympic team or turn professional. But just like he did with Bobby Carpenter and Tommy Barrasso, he didn't care. Lou is, you know, so competitive in everything he does. He hasn't stopped for 50 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible what he's been able to do. Um, but he was adamant about, Brian, you're going to come here. To, you're going to sign here. And whatever I can do for you, I will help you any way I can. He stayed true to that. He's a fantastic human being. The New York Islanders are struggling right now by their standards, but I'm not too worried about any team that Lou Lamarillo is running. Well, the monster road trip ended last night. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it didn't end with the bang they wanted. They struggled mm-hmm. to the finish line. They finished a game below 500. Um, they were 500 going into last night's game. They had a two-game set here against Tampa and Florida back-to-back. Incredibly difficult. They opened up the season against Carolina and Florida. Incredibly difficult. I thought they could hit maybe something like seven, five, and one. Mm-hmm. They ended up a game below 500. I, I still think they'll be fine. That was a tough road trip. They weren't on the road the whole time. Lou was smart about you know how he was able to work with the NHL to plan that schedule out so they could come back home, sleep in their own bed, see their families. Uh, but unparalleled start to the season, just part of the new world we live in. They've got a beautiful new $1.5 billion mm-hmm. building coming online. I'm sure they're incredibly hopeful that they can play the same way there that they did in Nassau Coliseum. If they do, uh, not only will they be fine in the playoffs, but they, they could still potentially win the division. 
Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree. And obviously, like as a player, it's also so hard to kind of keep your focus. I feel like when you're towards the end of a long road trip, like when that lights at the end of the tunnel, like I can go home and see my family and you know play a home game and get back in that routine. Mm. But uh, they were bes- they were besieged at the end of this uh, road yeah. trip. They lost Ryan Pulak in the Tampa game. Josh Bailey was on COVID protocol. Uh, it was a rough, rough go for the New York Islanders, and yet they're not out of it. All you wanted to do, if I were Lou, I would have just been thinking, let's just hang around and be in the pack, and then we'll make hay when the sun shines and we're playing all these games at home. So something I really want to ask you, and I don't know if you'll have an answer right away, but I like to talk about the fun guys, like away from the rink and stuff, and you know the people who are just awesome to hang out with outside the rink, and if you could kind of pick like one team to hang out with, maybe like go on a weekend road trip with, uh, you know, kind of go to a bar or whatever it might be, whatever the off ice looks like, what team would you want to hang out with on the road? That's a great question. When I was an agent, I'll pick a team in a second, but the greatest team I ever saw to hang out with, I used to represent Sergei Fedorov. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And I, re- I, went to a, I went to a playoff game out in Anaheim when I was representing him. And I said, oh, you know, Sergei, I'll meet you for a beer after the game. And I have never seen an atmosphere like I saw with that team, Stevie Eiserman, who wasn't the leader of the pack by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination in this, but Chris Jellios and a cast of Hall of Fame players like you can't imagine. I just remember walking out of there that night thinking, God, I wish I could have played on that team. Yeah. These guys are, they are traveling around, kicking the you know what out of everybody and having a ton of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. So I always thought the best times that you had as a team were based off of how well your team did. We had a couple of runs in my career where we were the best team in the NHL for a month or two months or something like that. And those are literally the most fondest times I have because you're traveling around, kicking the crap out of everybody, uh, just having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. So if I had to pick a team now, it would have to be somebody that was really good well, if I had to pick a team right now, I'd like to hang out with, and, and they didn't play very well last night. But it would probably be the it would probably be the Edmonton Oilers. Really? Yeah, I mean, I just think they're such a draw mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. I'm so happy to see our new television partners putting these guys on TV more than they used to be, because uh, between Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they are must see TV. Yeah, every single. I I don't. Fans may not know this. When I'm not working. I do not miss an Edmonton Oilers game. <laughs> really? And 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 I'm not required to watch it or I watch enough hockey, trust me. It would be easier to skip. I just am fascinated by those two players and how great they are. Yeah. Uh, it's it's such entertainment. Uh, if you're not following them closely, you're missing out if you're a big NHL fan. Yeah, no. I I mean, I I try to watch almost, you know, it's obviously late at night here on the East Coast, but I try to watch most of, you know, Connor McDavid's games, and I pretty much bet the over in every single Oilers game, and that's done me well so far. <laughs> I'm gonna we're do. We're not it. allowed. To, we're not allowed to bet, but uh, and we have to tell you to bet responsibly. But <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound like a bad bet for me. I have my uh, my game for my write up for Action Network tomorrow night's actually Edmonton and Winnipeg, and Edmonton coming off a loss. I think the obvious bet here is to take the Oilers at home. So I'll yeah, be yeah, the Jets, the Jets were dialed in last night. I mean, they mm-hmm. got completely, uh, <laughs> they turned it, excuse me, turn it around in the playoffs, but they got completely dominated by the Oilers last year in the regular season. Connor and Leon just ate them up and they played fantastic last night. I got to give Paul Maurice that entire team ton of credit. Pierre-Luc Dubois playing great. 
their decor looked rock solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Winnipeg's for real. Yeah. Yeah, they're in first in the central now. They passed the Minnesota Wilds, I think, last night with that win. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 dialed in. They're a formidable group. They they had a little bit of a rough start with COVID and some guys they were missing, but now they're back healthy and they're really rolling. Yeah. I actually I was really surprised with how they finished last year. I thought losing Shifley just changed that entire series. Um I kind of thought they would have pulled it out, but yeah, they, they're kind of like an underrated team just because of being in Winnipeg, you know? Yeah, it ended with a thud for them last year. Um, and partly, I mean, Mark was obviously very distraught over that. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't react the way that uh, he would have wanted to in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is a very emotional heat of the moment game. And uh, unfortunately, the, the, the charge he took, it, it cost them dearly. Yeah. Changed, changed everything, in my opinion. So just to wrap things up, there's one last question I want to ask you. And if you have to take a second to think about it, you know, by all means, but what was your biggest pet peeve as a player in the NHL? And then what would you say is your biggest pet peeve about the game today? It doesn't actually necessarily have to be about the physical game itself. It could be like a rule or for me, it's the offsides challenge, um, you know, anything like that. The thing that I hated the most about being a player when I was a player and this was so stupid of the people that used to run the teams is that they wouldn't tell us who was playing. What do you mean? So you would have a, you would have a morning skate, you know, the guys that played all the time, but there would always be five or six guys that were on the team that literally would come to the rink at between five and five 30 for a seven 30 game. And you would find out if you were playing by, if your Jersey was hanging or not. Oh. And the trainers wouldn't tell you. Oh. And I was a kid and I just remember thinking, is this really the freaking best way to motivate us? <laughs> like it, it was so insane to me. I was too young to say anything, mm-hmm. but I got to tell you, and it wasn't just because sometimes I wasn't playing. I was that guy. But even when I was playing, I would look at my teammates and think that is such bullshit. Why are we doing that to one of my teammates? Why is he strung out that way? You know, why are we ruining his day? He could have got extra work in. He could have prepared himself better. And it happened all the time. I just thought it was absolute lunacy. I'm so happy to hear we don't have those crazy things happening in today's game. Well, I want to touch on that because my coach and juniors, John LaFontaine, Pat's brother, the way he did the lineup was it was kind of like a high school musical drama. Like everyone would show up to the rink and he would post the lineup card on the whiteboard at like 5.15, like right before our team stretch and like his thought process was I want everyone to prepare the same way. Like everyone's playing. So I kind of, it kind of made sense in that way. But like if I got prepared, like took my nap and like got all jacked up, like I took a pre-workout and then I found out I wasn't playing. Oh my God. I was, you know, I call my parents like on the verge crying. Sometimes I did cry, but (laughs) I was a young kid, but yeah, that's it's yeah. And I understand what people would say. And I heard those types of things and I would just think Mm -hmm. that's a lack of foresight. Yeah. You got a chance to develop. We had a lot of young players on our team back. You got a lot of young players. You had a chance to develop them. You know, um, people were always fearful that you were going to go out and like what drink all day or something. That wasn't going to happen in a million years when I was a player. If I wasn't playing, I would go out. No, I would want to do something to try to better myself, to try to make it so that next time I wasn't, but that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of that has to do with society. I think we're in a really good place right now. We've been through a lot of turmoil lately. Some things that have come out, um, you know, that nobody is uh, proud of. 
in the NHL. That goes for me and everybody else that was in it. I never imagined that that things could happen maybe the way they did. Mm-hmm. And yet I know they happen in society. And when it's all said and done, the NHL will be better for some of the strife they've been through, but you really feel for a guy like Kyle Beach, mm-hmm. for John Doe too, for the anguish he went through. So um, hard lessons are, have always been a part of life and certainly the National Hockey League. But um, when I look at overall where we're at and how much progression we've made uh i'm pretty proud of the nhl and where it's at now i know that uh, i don't want to insult anybody because somebody will say how could you say that and it's a more balanced approach i know we're not going to be perfect i know we can be better i know we will be better but i also want to take a second and say you know what there has been incredible progress in the way things are done and handled in the nhl yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more as a fan. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool to see where the game's headed, hopefully, you know, in, in that best positive direction. Super exciting time to be a fan in the NHL. And I want to I want to thank you so much for for hopping on. Um, really appreciate it. I would love to get you on again later in the year. We could talk about, you know, maybe an Edmonton Oilers playoff run or whatever, whatever may be. Better happen this year. My good yeah. friend Dave Tippett, uh, he's doing a hell of a job coaching that team. But uh, Tip along with all those players, recognize that uh, it, it's time for that group to start to do some damage in the playoffs. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank Brian Lawton once again for joining the show. I'm a big fan of his, and I watch him all the time on the NHL Network, so it was really cool to have him here and to talk to him and hear his stories about his playing days and his opinion on the current state of the NHL. I also want to thank my friend Alexis Downey for joining me, as always, in the intro to break down everything going on in the NHL. Um, That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. I got another good episode coming for you guys next week. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. And for those celebrating Hanukkah, I hope you have a great first night of Hanukkah this Sunday night. As always, if you want to ask me any questions regarding the Rangers, just shoot me a DM on Twitter or on Instagram. I want to thank Rami Levy once again for sending in his questions and his opinions. Um, you know, I only encourage more people to do that. I love giving people shout-outs on here, and I love answering people's questions and topics on here. So please send them my way. Hope everyone has a great weekend and a great holiday. Love you all. Let's go, Rangers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.